from the Teradata Pulse Real-Time Operations Center in San Diego, California. This is Datacast. Hey, so who are you? Well, my name is Ron Lubke, and I'm the lead cloud architect for the international region, or now the EMEA region, for Teradata. Today, we're going to talk about Query Optimizer. What is a Query Optimizer? Well, a Query Optimizer actually takes the SQL and changes it into the instructions and the best paths to process the data in the relational database. In our particular instance, specifically with joins, it minimizes the amount of data that has to go back and forth between the various parts of Teradata. And that will actually cause the performance of the query to increase dramatically. I see. So this is a key part of literally every query. Every query. And the more complex the query it is, the more key it is. So if it has, as the number of tables, number of joins go up, um, the query optimizer figures out what the best possible path is to get the fastest possible response back to the query. Has the query optimizer always been part of since Teradata day, database? Since day one. Since day one. Yes. Um, it's always been one of the key things we've had. It's one of our oldest technologies, and we can I can explain it to you a little bit as we go along here, but it what it is what differentiates us between almost all of our competition in the, in our space. So we've been big data since before there was big data. Uh, it's built into our name. <laughs> it's built in everything we do. It, it's kind of funny because we're so used to dealing with data at scale, mm -hmm. at Teradata, that it never occurs to us that, that there's any other kind of data. And we almost take it for granted. Other database vendors have query optimizers. The differentiator for us is that our query optimizer is designed for MPP, or massively parallel processing, relational database systems. And those are, there aren't too many of those out there. Let's talk about that a little bit, because I think a lot of people who are listening uh, may not be using a Teradata system at the moment. Uh, describe what you mean by MPP and why that was such a leap forward. MPP basically says that you share no resources between nodes. Uh, when you submit a query, it's divided into various components and then submitted down to each one of the nodes and they're processed in parallel. So that it gives you the, the much faster throughput. It's a traditional divide and conquer strategy, but we're a bit more sophisticated than just a divide and conquer strategy. So instead of all of your jobs uh, being blocked by one node, there is something that, that coordinates and manages this collection of nodes. That's correct. Splits up the work knows how to do that intelligently thanks to the query optimizer. Right. That's exactly what it is. Um, it's kind of interesting as we've gotten into newer uh, competitors who do this, they don't do this. And as a consequence, you'll see them talk a lot about we can process data sets mm -hmm. as opposed to processing data in a database, in a relational database. It limits what they can do specifically we're, we've been famous for, we're going to answer not just your current questions to give your answers to your current questions, but what are your next answers that you don't even know you need yet? And we can actually set the database. The database is designed so that we're able to ask those next questions that we don't know to ask yet. So when they talk about data sets, Ron, what does that mean? In the simplest term, a file, a single file, a list. In technical terms, almost first normal form, which means a list. Um, it's there's duplication in there there and you have to you scan through every single row the nice thing is this type of uh, format 
is ideal for divide and conquer strategy, but not much more than that. So if you, as you, as you want to add and, and go into more of a database type structure mm -hmm. and start doing joins across tables, you can't really do divide and conquer easily without some sophistication on the back end. So they're effectively applying like a schema on read at read time? You know, that you hear people talk about schema on read and schema on write and how one is better than the other. And in truth, it's a wash because at some point you have to deal with the schema. It's not like schema on read doesn't mean you don't get to do it. That means I can copy the, a piece of file or file into place and not have to know or import it into what the system, but don't have to know the schema yet. And, but before you use it, you're going to have to figure out the schema. Otherwise, things drop out. And you have, unless you know the schema or what's dropping out, you have problems. There's pros and cons to schema on read and schema on write. With Teradata, we focus on schema on write. And the reason we do that is it promotes reuse. That way you go through the concept of figuring out what the schema looks like, what the data structures are, where the errors in the file are before you ever use it. That puts some overhead on there of but, processing. But only once. But only once. And then, but schema on read, unless someone, the first time it's used, someone has to figure out that schema. Unless that information is shared in some method, then the next person has to do it again and again and again. It's not the most efficient way to process your data. It sounds like there's a huge cost if you want to operationalize that especially. Exactly. It also, if people come up with different ideas of how the schema actually looks, you can have different versions of things. Oh, that's interesting. Right. So some, and it's, some may have to look at a file and say this has five columns. Some may say 10 columns. Some may say two columns. Depends on what they want to use it for. That sounds like nice flexibility, but it's also a recipe for a good way to get different answers from the same data that you wouldn't expect different answers from. Yeah. It sounds like a nightmare. It can get that way. Yeah. <laughs> So our query optimizer is dealing with data that is uh, nice and orderly because Teradata does, applies the schema on write. Mm -hmm. It's nice and orderly. Uh, we know their relationships mm -hmm. because correct. they've been defined. That's true, but we also work with um, not-so-orderly data because we support blobs and clobs. Uh, we support JSON. We support XML. So those can be put in there, and we can do NPATH queries to dig into those various things. It's not that we don't we can't do it. And let's face it, there's really no such thing as unstructured data. That would be like the noise on your TV set in between channels in the <laughs> old days. But it's really semi-structured data. Like a PDF has a structure to it. It's just that some of it's free-flowing, like the text of an article. And then and you could access that directly. So it's a little bit of a different approach. There's also the wide open compromise you can do where you say, okay, let's say if I marry a data lake be it on Hadoop, be it on S3, be it on Azure Blob, with a Teradata system, I can actually do the best of both worlds, which is what we tend to lean towards now, that it's about the analytic ecosystem, not about just the Teradata box anymore. And with our Query Grid product, we can actually have users who are used to using the Teradata system have access to the Hadoop data, and the users who are used to Hadoop have access to the Teradata information, and they don't have to relearn so it's the files on or the, if the users on Hadoop and they're looking at the Teradata system data, it looks like files on Hadoop. And the other way around is on Teradata, it looks like tables on Teradata. It's kind of a cool thing. Yeah. Everything is a table. Yes. 
Oh, for the teradata side. For the teradata side. On the Hadoop side, everything's a file. Yeah, that's beautiful. That way the people are used to, can use the tools that they're used to using. They're used to the environments. They don't have to relearn all this stuff all over again. So in the case where the data is on Hadoop, I assume reading that comes at a cost. Yeah, but it's not very great. It's, it's, you're reading it as a file. You're, you're doing the best you possibly can. Um, Query Grid will figure out what the best way to approach that is. Oh, that's interesting. Because we've taken that, the concept of the query optimizer that is in the relational database system and also put it up in the Query Grid itself. And it says, I know where the best place it is to run a query or the parts of the query and where the best place is to deliver the final result. So it's, Query Grid's a pretty intelligent product. Would you say then that Query Grid is kind of part and parcel uh, with the Query Optimizer? Um, it's more like a superset. In other words, the Query Optimizer and the cost-based optimizer that we use is really good for the relational database system. This is more like a cost-based optimizer for the analytic ecosystem. So it's different. It, it, they operate at different levels. The nice thing about that, though, is that your analytic ecosystem starts to look like one cohesive whole. And you're not so much focused on where the data is or what format it is. You're more worried about getting the answers out of the system as opposed to data wrangling. You saves a lot of time and energy. That's one of the most important parts of that. Where we really save time with the query optimizer is when we start to do joins of tables, because rarely ever is a query just across a single file for us, our single table. When you do that, you have to redistribute the data from the primary. The primary table tends to stay where it's at but you redistribute the secondary tables or tertiary, however many tables you have, you're doing the joins so that you can do the, the appropriate comparisons. That takes a lot of time to do, a relative amount of time to do. It's one of the reasons why you, when you see Spark or when you see Hive or Impala, the emulators that sit on top of Hadoop, they don't do that very well. We, do, we know exactly how to move it. We know um, what the best patterns are. And Teradata, unlike um, much of our competition, the performance is actually affected by the content of the tables. Meaning, if your data has some has some skew to it, that or has a shape to it, is it evenly distributed? How does it look? The system wants to know about that, and that process is typically called collecting statistics. We statistically sample the data in a table, and it describes what it looks like. We then use that information to figure out what's the best approach. So for a very small table, instead of just picking up certain rows and moving it across, it may be the query optimizer may say, it's faster just to copy the whole table. Don't worry about it. Just copy the whole table to every node and use it there. Or it may say, it's faster to copy those nodes there. Likewise, it might take a subset of, those, of the rows and only copy those where they need to go or redistribute those, whatever is the least costly to do. I guess that's the best part about it. We know how to do that. We've been doing it for over 30 years, and we haven't been sitting on our laurels. That's the old technology, and there's some newer, more sophisticated stuff we're doing even now. Gotcha. So the query optimizer really has an intimate knowledge of, of not only the structure of the data, but also how it's distributed across this massively parallel system. Right. So, And how that comes out, uh, the Teradata system has what we call explains, It'll, you can run an explain against a given query, and it will show exactly what type of join the system is doing, and that's determined by the, the, the amount of data, the type of data, and the statistics that we've collected on the data. And, it gives, and that's what gives us the fastest possible result. 
Interesting. So the query optimizer is really uh, sort of the central control point of all the queries. And well, it's not so much control as it is interpreting for the best way to run it. We have a whole different subsystem for what how the controls and how the queries are run. That's a whole different animal. I'll probably talk for another day. But it, it does interpret given queries for the most efficient use of the system resources. Because while even in the cloud, you can scale up and up and up and up, you start to get a, an issue of cost there, right? So you want to still use your resources as effectively as you possibly can. This lets you do that. It also explains why we can do workloads in the hundreds of sessions at a time and thousands of queries at a time that our competition is down in single and double digits. And their answer to that is, hey, let's just spin up another system. Let's spin up another system. And you can do that, throw more hardware at it. But you start to create a bit of a problem when it comes to data management and how do you keep those things in sync? We don't have that problem with Teradata. We've effectively run the workload because we don't have to do all that duplication. And as a consequence, we're way more efficient. And I don't think many people realize that that are out there because, like I said, we're so used to seeing it, we almost take it for granted here at Teradata. We do, and I think I think some users of Teradata might as well in the sense that they don't um, think about the cost per query. Although Teradata is not necessarily cheap, when you use it at the scale our customers do, mm -hmm. the cost per query is nothing. Yeah, that, that's definitely one measurement. And cost per query, it gets down very, very low. Teradata's sweet spot, I've always said this, is customers who have large, complicated workloads, the megadata customers. And there are customers out there that have very simple, very easy workloads. Maybe they go somewhere else, but I haven't met, run into too many people or too many companies that think their workloads are either small or simple. I think it's one of those things that doesn't exist unless you're very, very small. Ron, thank you for coming by to talk about the Query Optimizer today. My pleasure. It's you know one of those underground pieces that nobody seems to talk about anymore. It's not the sexy big analytics, but without this, the sexy big analytics don't happen. This has been Datacast. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like the show, you can help us out by reviewing it in your podcast app of choice and by recommending it to friends. All they need to do is search for Teradata or Datacast in their favorite podcast app. To learn more about how Teradata transforms how businesses work and how people live through the power of data, visit us at teradata.com.